Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Um, it's the end of the week. We've had Carabao Cup football uh, in midweek and we've got another very happy uh, Alan Shearer this morning after Newcastle <laughs> beat Manchester City. Hold on, hold on. Wait, before you go on, what you, you got battered in the first half. What are you talking about, Alan? Yeah, and you got battered in the second half, Micah. <laughs> down the hill, I told you about down the hill. Your boys couldn't handle it. Pep was on about moaning about kicking them. You, you can't, you're not allowed to tackle Man City now. What's going on? We need to sort it out, honest to God. It's, it's pathetic now. You're a professional outfit and you've got a slope on your pitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, throwing everything at you here. <laughs> and you couldn't run up it. <laughs> uh, I have to tell people, we have a, a, a little group chat um, for this podcast um, when we discuss what we're going to talk about, etc. And... Um, I don't know, Alan. I just get the sense that you might have had one or two watching the game last night. Because <laughs> you're still on your golf trip in Marbella, aren't you? You're still on your golf yeah. trip. Last year, yeah. we were in uh, we we're in a little bar. It was hard. Just us in there, just eight of us lads who were on the golf trip in the, in the bar. And um, are, they, are, they, are they all Toon fans? All Newcastle fans. All of them. <laughs> and at the minute, there's only two up. So, um, yeah, you can imagine it was a pretty late night in celebrating. <laughs> yeah, I, I I got that sense. Um, obviously, the, the League Cups, you know, not not the most major trophy that um, teams compete for, but um, for Newcastle, any trophy would be huge at the moment, wouldn't it? A step in the right direction. Well, they did well in the tournament in the competition last year. They got to the uh, they got mm. to the final, didn't they? Where Man United beat them um, pretty convincingly at Wembley, and. It was a chance. I mean, Eddie made 10 changes, I think it was, last night from the team that put eight past Sheffield United at the weekend. So, um, and it was, we, were, we were a little bit concerned because a lot of the players hadn't played for a while, but I just thought they were absolutely superb, particularly second half. I mean, Man City were all over Newcastle first half. They couldn't get near them, um, albeit Newcastle probably had the best chance uh, with a minute to go just before the break. Jacob Murphy. But then second half, he made a couple of changes, took a couple of the youngsters off and put... Um, Bruno on and Gordon and Man City couldn't live with the intensity and they couldn't live with the pressure um, and they found it <laughs> and, they, and they found it very difficult hence Pep moaning after the game about being kicked yeah. what? uh, what's going on Micah you can't challenge your boys now can we not you're not allowed to kick Manchester City players no. these days. Bit of a crisis this for, uh, for City, Micah. Do you think that it's Pep's time's up? He's out. <laughs> <laughs> to, be to be fair, we Man City, they're normally so strong in this competition. Not mm. Obviously not last year, but the season before that, they won it four years in a row, didn't they? So yeah. um, it's pretty disappointing because, you know, the, the, the fringe players, and I thought Calvin Phillips did really well considering he's not played a lot of football. Uh, but Oscar Bob, the forward, the mm. left footer for Mance, he was outstanding. His close control, his weight of pass, um, everything about his game, he was buzzing and um, lovely little touches around the corner. But the problem is now, you're probably not going to see a lot of these players again. The League Cup sort of keeps their yeah. season mm. alive a little bit. And, and now, because Man City is so consistent in the league, the league team, you're probably not going to see any more of them players, which is a shame. You mentioned um, 
Calvin Phillips there. Um, did you see Pep's quote saying that he couldn't do with Calvin Phillips what Bielsa did with him at, at Leeds and can't get the best out of him? It's, it's, uh, but Phillips is obviously, he wanted to stay in the summer, but it's kind of peculiar comment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's... Um... I don't think he, he, he means it into the extent in which people are taking it. Because let's have it right. When Calvin came to Man City, he got injured. He got back and then he got injured again. So when people are talking about his tactics and his style of play, he's not been able to implement it with Calvin because he's not had that much time on the, the training pitch. But it was it was strange to hear him, him say that. And I just feel a little bit sorry for him. I get the feeling all's not well there. I get the feeling all's not well with that, that relationship. I don't know, I'm just guessing. But judging by what he's said in the past and what he said uh, about him last night, you just get the feeling all's not rosy with, that, with those two. It's just been difficult, Al, hasn't it? Because Rodri's the best defensive midfielder. He rarely misses a game. It's an absolute killer for, for Phillips. And what did they go and do? They bring in Kovacic. And now you've got Mateus Nunes. So it just always feels like some people who are coming into that position have, have shone straight away and he's took a little bit more time. But I still have faith that he can do a good job for Man City if he's given the minutes. Yeah, you've got to repeat the final. Um in the next round, Alan? Yeah, tough one. Yeah. Uh, Manchester tough, United. Tough one. You want to say that last night in the group? What are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember what I said, Michael. You're on the I old San Miguel's. Old Trafford, and you said no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that with a few different words in there. He's very different, Alan Shearer, in the morning, isn't he? The morning after the night before. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. What a reward for a great result and performance, getting Man United away in the next round. But as mm. the boys have just said this morning, if we're going to win it, we have to beat the best. So there you go. See, there's the Sean Dyche derby as well, isn't there? Everton got Everton Ooh. Burnley. Um, West Ham Arsenal, that's a pretty decent tie as well. But the one that caught my eye, Mansfield versus Port Vale. One of those. <laughs> one of those. No, come on. League two Mansfield and um, League one Port Vale. One of those sides will be in the, the quarterfinal. But I would imagine both of them were a little bit disappointed with the draw because although you'd fancy, you know, both teams will fancy the chances perhaps of getting through. But you, they'd want a big boy, wouldn't they? I would have thought. You'd think so, wouldn't you, Al? But you're thinking we've got one step further. So yeah. you're going to get a, a big boy in the next mm. round anyway. It gives you that much chance. You probably get a little bit more money as well. So play your cards right and you're into the next, you know, next round. Huge reward for them, isn't it? For, I mean, it's a big enough incentive anyway, but to get through um, would be unbelievable because they're probably going to get one of the big boys as well, isn't it? And TV cameras would be there, I guess. So financially for one of them, it's going to be massive. Did any of you ever win the, the League Cup? Uh, I didn't you won't know. be surprised to know I got beaten in the Zenith Data Systems <laughs> Cup at Wembley against Forest. <laughs> Southampton. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> might have lost in a semi. Can't remember. <laughs> so we didn't win it. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we didn't win anything, did we, Al? Really? Not no, between exactly. us, not much. Did you, did you win it, Micah? I think I, I, I've got a trophy at home, but I don't think I played. <laughs> 
Honestly, we've been in the League Cup so many, you just forget. Yeah. I think yeah. I have won a League Cup, but I think I played in yes. the early rounds. I don't think I played in the, in the latter. I well, I did play in the earlier rounds, but I didn't I didn't play at Wembley and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got left out in the big oh, yeah. one again. Yeah, I got, yeah. Yeah, I got binned uh, again. <laughs> Michael, weren't you supposed to be in Miami this week, weren't you? Cause yes. But obviously you got COVID. Is that why you didn't go in the end? Because what was it for, CBS? So the, yeah, on, coverage you do. on the Monday afternoon, I was mm. flying out to New York. There was a, a show called Kicking It. So it's like a, a show stroke podcast. Uh, and then on the Wednesday, I was flying from New York to Miami to film uh, the cup. The cup, cup, cup. What's what? What's a uh... cup? 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 What's that? <laughs> what's that competition? Does that mean you win five cups if you get it? So you can... five winners medals. The US, the US Cup, it's the equivalent of the FA Cup in America. Okay. So we call it the US Cup. Let's call yeah. it the US Cup. And I was going to be pitch side there with Messi. Miami were in the in the final, and I was going to be pitch side, but COVID stopped it. So yeah, didn't get round to going. Yeah, well, Messi got injured anyway, didn't he? he didn't he? Just didn't play in that particular game, did he? And he was and he wasn't pitch side, was he? Yeah. No, exactly. Well, that's what I heard. Apparently, apparently, the reason he didn't go pitch side because you weren't there, Micah. <laughs> well, so if, no, if Micah's not there, he's not doing it. Well, you know, big big, big beaks has that effect yeah. on people. You know what I mean? And for your information, if if ever you do go over there, um, <laughs> it's called the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> Good job you've done your fucking homework anyway, Micah. <laughs> the US uh, Open Cup, is that what the, it's called? Yeah. It sounds like golf. I know. No Talk, talking of golf, how's your golf been, Alan? And your little trip there? Played well? It's or? been been all right, yeah. We're uh, we're about to play Finca, uh, Courtesan, yeah. of course, where the Solheim was last weekend. Yeah. So we're playing that uh, this afternoon and then heading home, uh, heading home. Luke Donald called you up yet? Late shout. Surprisingly enough, he looked at my swing and he never called me up. No call. <laughs> but hold on. Alan said it's been okay. What do you mean? It's been, that means you're playing shit, doesn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> it means I'm getting 31, 32 points. <laughs> Not enough. For those that don't know, that is a stable for the, um, format yeah. um, where yeah. you get points per uh, hole. Was it one point for bogey, two for par, three for birdie, four for an That's eagle? It. Was it still the case? I played golf for about 10 years. But I want to get onto something um, a, a tad more serious. Well, much more serious, really. Um, the online abuse towards Victor Osiman, um, which has come from his own football club. And I think it was their TikTok account um poking fun at their their own player um putting calling him coconut head doing high-pitched voices over footage of him um, missing a penalty for napoli um it must have been pretty um distressing for him i would have thought micah it, it was weird because they were two videos so there was one where basically mocking him missing a penalty and then there was a one where you said, Gary, when he was basically calling him coconut head. And it's staggering, to, to to be honest. And you know what the worst thing about this is? Osman is in such high regard within Italy and with in, in Naples and the team he plays for. So if he's getting treated like this way, imagine what the normal person in the street is getting treated like. 
And that is the, the, the more worrying thing for, for me. You should never have to deal with that. Some people will come out and say, it's not being racist. But covering his body in a coconut suggests to me that that's the way it was intended. It's very difficult for me to speak on the, the racism in, in Italy because when I was there, I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel nothing. It was so, amazing. So you, you, weren't, you didn't feel that um, side of things there? No, in, in Florence, it, it was absolutely amazing. That made me feel welcome. But again, is that because I was a player uh, for the team that everyone loved in the city? So they treated me a little bit differently well they oh, love their football in napoli as well I, exactly this is a guy that has won the league for them with all mm. his uh, with all his goals even just when you're reading it out there it is own club yeah. mocking him it's like it is incredible what has what has gone on over there it's just bizarre and oh my god i mean no no wonder he's blooming angry but this hasn't even come from fans i mean we're kind of used to it um seeing various incidents i mean in spain you know there've been a number particularly pointed at uh, vinicius junior we've seen aspects um, all across europe in terms of fans towards players but this is this is kind of i don't know whether they're tr trying to be funny or clever or or just plain nasty where does it go from here though gary where did, what what does he do i mean i know he scored um and i know he didn't i know he didn't celebrate um yeah. what what does what does he do now where does he go how does it how does it move on I would imagine he's, it's, it would be very, almost um, untenable, wouldn't it? His, his position um, at Napoli. I mean, I, I saw images of him arriving he, uh, yesterday um, with the rest of the team and he, he did greet um, the, the Napoli coach, but he kind of ignored one or two of the players. But whoever was in charge of like Napoli's social media, um, um, but surely that sort of thing goes through a few people before you, you put something out like that i mean it, it was beyond beyond belief really wasn't it it's just again it goes down to education doesn't it i mean the person who put out that video on on tiktok might not even think that's offensive that is one of the problems you know and people always say oh well we've had enough of educating people but people sometimes don't know what's right and, and what's wrong you know it's only because if you actually look on the video, it had loads of likes and loads of shares and everything. So until one person said, hold on, this is wrong, it was still on there. They only took it down afterwards. It's not like they put it up for 30 seconds and took it down. It was on for, for quite a while, which was quite shameful. And it, it's so sad that we constantly have these conversations about race and you know whether it's women in football or whatever yeah. the topic may be, and people always keep saying keep the the, the, the politics out of football. But we we literally try to, but we can't because the politics is always creeps in to, to football. And politics just, is in every walk of it life is, in of, some of way, at some is. stage, and that's when you know when people say to you stick to football and stuff. That's why it's a, <laughs> even in football, there's plenty of politics. That's that's for sure. Um, where does he go from here? What and, and also. <laughs> Chelsea, Newcastle, Newcastle. Well, they've got well. You've got two strikers, Alan Isak and obviously Callum Wilson. You need another one, do you? Well, um, I don't think it would do any harm. And Man United won their treble. They had four, if you remember rightly. So, if he wants a bit of love, if he wants a bit yeah. of love, then there's yes, in James's Park. I remember <laughs> watching watching him play when a couple of seasons ago um, when Leicester were in the Europa League, and um, they had two games against Napoli and. 
Victor Osterman was absolutely outstanding and, and we were saying at the time, who is this? This he's, he's going to be like a really top player and he's been brilliant there the last two seasons. Um, he'll be sought after, that's for sure. Definitely won't be a shortage of big clubs yeah. that will uh, that will want him um, and be willing to pay an absolute fortune for him. So absolutely have so many options. I mean, if you look across Europe as well, um, Real Madrid desperately short of a striker at present, although... You know, Mbappe is probably their target in the summer. Having said that, Mbappe's not really a nine. So, and Arsenal as well have been been linked with him. Um, he would be a great addition to any of those clubs, wouldn't he? And you mentioned Chelsea as well, who's, you know, Chelsea are due to spend a few quid on a player. They haven't bought one for a while. Marvellous. It'd be absolutely marvellous anywhere. No matter what, I watched him a lot in the, in the Champions League, covered the Champions League last year. His movement, really good on crosses, can hold up the ball, can finish. He started he's the season well. rapid, yeah. He started the season badly, but he still he still scored the other day. I don't I don't understand why they've sort of turned on him, which is which is strange. And a couple of the fans are now starting to to turn on him. But this player is is one of the best strikers. I was saying Arsenal should have bought him in the summer. It might have cost a little bit too much. Then his price might have gone down a little bit if they want to do a deal. But yeah, he's a top 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 player. What, what can football do as a whole about this sort of thing? There's always one, a story comes up, isn't there, every few weeks or every few months? It's so, it's so hard, you know, Gary and, and Al. You know, I'm I'm talking as a as a black man because we've been trying to do so many different things for years and it's become a little bit more difficult now, I would say, because of social media and it sort of glorifies idiots. And I think things have improved I, I really do. I feel like things are getting definitely better. But sometimes you can't change the way people think. You can try to and you can do everything you can. And all these people behind the scenes are trying to. But sometimes the world doesn't think the same. And no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, they'll always get idiots who think a certain way. All we can do is try to be the best that we can be, move it on, be better people, have better lessons where we can talk about things, educate people, and yeah, try and move forward in the right direction. But it's it's a very hard because I've been having these conversations since I made my debut, you know, all them years, 17, 18 years. Must ago. get tiresome. It does, it gets tiresome, it gets boring, it gets it almost gets like degrading to, to a certain aspect as well, because you're just like, oh, like um, uh, uh, something's happened here. Like, let's get a correspondent on a. Oh, Mike has been through it. Let, let's ask him. Oh, well, I don't have the answers. I've literally tried to be the best I could be and help people the best I can. But then, you know what the problem has, has, has come into this now? People are saying, oh, he's woke. Oh yeah, I do get that occasionally. <laughs> like, yes. And and that is, is such a dis disrespect because just because you're trying to help a situation or highlight a situation or push a, a situation forward, now you've become woke. I just don't understand. Now the people make themselves the victim. So what can you possibly do with that? Whenever they um, describe you as being woke, just ask them what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they can never explain it properly um, other than in a and in a positive way, which um, being woke probably is most of the time. Um, the only one thing I I would 
say and trying to look for some kind of positive out of this in terms of football because football gets a lot of grief for this but I would say look at football internally look at football within dressing rooms and football itself not not supporters I mean most supporters are fine but you're always going to get some racist some nasty people etc but when you look in a dressing room at a football club you will see 20 players around there from all over the world, different skin colours, different religious beliefs, different backgrounds, come all over the world and they have a harmony within a dressing room that the rest of, indeed, life, the rest of people could actually learn a great deal from. Because I don't think footballers ever sit in a dressing room and look round at the colour of someone's skin. I think they look round and think, he's a really good player. He's brilliant on the right wing. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can save us in a certain situation. No one looks at the colour of someone's skin and makes a judgment. And I think in that sense that, that football does a lot of good. And uh, on that slightly more positive note, um, let's take a break. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is Football uh, with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Uh, when I say welcome back, I suppose it's only a few seconds. I'm not sure any of us have been anywhere. I don't know why I always say that, but it seems like the right thing uh, to say. Let's look at, ahead a little bit at, um, at, at the weekend. There's a, a bumper set of fixtures on the Saturday, which we always like uh, doing match of the day. I think you might be both on this Saturday, aren't you? Yep. Indeed we are. Well, that's yes. good because we're not spending enough time together. So. <laughs> I suppose um, the pick of the games perhaps um, on Saturday is um, Spurs-Liverpool. 
Um, Liverpool, quite interesting this season. They they beat um, Leicester um, 3-1, came back from behind. I think it's about the fifth time this season they've gone yeah. one down, uh, but managed to beat um, um, Leicester. But we're concentrating on the league. It's all about the championship <laughs> and getting up. We're not too worried about that, um, the Carabao Cup this season. But they've, they've started the season well. They're on the longest unbeaten run of, I think, any any Premier League club. I'm I'm just trying to think. Did where we had them in our uh, predictions at the start of the season? I, I think, think we all had them in the top four. We all had them in the top four, didn't we? Third for me. I had them in third. Yeah, was it third? I just believed yeah. if they sorted out their midfield, they would always be a force again. Well, I, talking I, about sorting out the Sabojla is getting <laughs> rave reviews. I've I've been very impressed with him when he played. Liverpool fans are talking about the new Steven Gerrard. Ooh. But sometimes it takes uh, it takes players time to uh, to settle. Not not this guy. He looks um, he looks the real deal straight away. I mean, the, everything about his game, uh, midfielder. You, what you need is a midfielder, uh, energy, uh, and he looks he looks a class act. I know it's very early, but what we're seeing from him, I think, yeah, probably too early to be mentioning him in the in the same breath as Steven Gerrard. But what a great start he's had to his career at Liverpool. Yeah, you say it's early, but the important thing is to get a good early start at a new club, isn't it? We often see players sometimes takes them six right. months or a year to adjust. Yeah. So if you can start quickly, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Can I just ask you though, did, did, when you two moved, did you lot start quickly or did it take a little bit of time? Took me a bit of time, yeah. I think about 32 minutes, to be honest, and I could score on my debut. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about Southampton hat trick again. I was actually the um opposite of I was actually the opposite of that, Alan. Um particularly when I made my, my Barcelona debut and it was the pressure was really on and it I it, I didn't score for until two minutes in of my first game. <laughs> No, in all honesty, it varied a little bit. And, and I did. And then I scored another after 20 minutes with Barcelona. And that's the one time I think I ever did start quickly. Because when I went to Everton, I was getting pelters off the fans. Um, What's I was get, oh, I, I, it was um, even when they read the team sheet out, Everton on the first home game. Um, you know, well, on, on the tannoid was it on the tannoid yeah you know on there? the tannoid when you're out warming up and you hear the team mentioned and, and you know they go 10, through yeah number four <laughs> I got like a load of booze from from the home fans what um, was it uh, because because I replaced Andy Gray and they loved Andy Gray at um, Everton and um, I, I came in I have to say it wasn't all Evertonians it was a, it was a, the, the kind of minority but um, but it was slightly disconcerting I have to say every player got cheered except for me <laughs> it was the fourth game before I scored which I think was away at Tottenham and I was starting to you know the Liverpool echo all the letters were about me why have we wasted this money on this kid he's no good we shouldn't have sold Andy Gray and all this blah 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 so it was a really really tough start and then I from getting all this stick I then scored the only goal at Tottenham um, the f and then I scored a hat-trick and then I scored two and within a week I was then the top scorer in the old first division so it just shows you how quick and it was the same I, th I think when I went to Tottenham I didn't score until my fifth game I mean that's not actually a long time is it really in terms of settling into a football club but but when you're a striker and you cost a few quid the expectancy is is quite high 
Yeah, well done, Micah. You set us up both of us perfectly. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Great assist. Yeah. <laughs> Micah Beardsley Richards. We should, we, we should call him. Um, I suppose we're coming towards the window. We were talking about um, Aussie men in the in the first half uh, of the show and and the possibility that he could join a Premier League club. You've also got Ivan Tony uh, coming back in I think mid-January or so and there's been a lot of speculation about him um, and in particular Arsenal would that be a good fit? I think I mean it's been coming from Brentford themselves hasn't it it's been coming from Thomas Frank he's been seeing it so my guess is is that yes he's going to be up for sale and they're, they're just sowing the seeds now and feeling the waters if you like and seeing how it's going so he would be a good player for a top club because he'll, he'll, he'll always get goals and always be a threat do we think, though, you know, talking to two strikers here, like the way that, say if he was to go to somewhere like a, an Arsenal, yeah. is he, I'm not saying he's not mobile, but mm. is he mobile enough for how fluid they want their front free to be? Would he be not suited to somewhere like a Chelsea where they need and sort of play that way with a, a target man a little bit? It's a, it's a, it's a good question. And the, and the, Truth is, and, and unless it happens, we we mm. won't know. But he's, I mean, he's he would be very different as player for Arsenal to have in in terms of what they've already got, and and maybe they would think of it as 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 having an alternative if things are not working. I don't know because he's he's not what you would you know. He's very different, isn't he? To yeah, it's like a, it's like a target man, isn't he? Or, yeah, he's more of a target. I mean. I mean, he has got, you know, decent technique. We know that. We, we've seen him um, in, in all sorts of games. He's, he's got an all-round game. Um, it's it's whether, you, you know, Arsenal really like to play the high energetic press mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Can he do that um, kind of thing? Because obviously Brentford primarily are a bit more of a counter-attack inside, set pieces, stuff like that. It's an interesting one. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it will be. And as we know, there'll be a few flying around the rumours. Um, I know it's, it's still September, but um, it's starting now and we're starting them. So, and we'll probably carry them on as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose now that Ossiman will probably be available, I mean, he'll cost a lot more money, but he'll, he'll, he'll be very sought after, won't he? They are actually quite similar. Um, a lot of people would say, well, Tony's tried and trusted within the Premier League in a team which have struggled at times and he still scored goals. So is, would you take a risk on that? But Osman's done it in the Champions League. I remember last year he was he was out for the first leg. It's quarters, I think it was. He was out for the first leg and he came back and scored for the second leg. Um, He's also very mobile and quick. And that is the thing. It's it, Because now... Tactics have always been tactics, and I will never disrespect the old generation, but the old generation for- oh, thanks, Michael. No, <laughs> Talking about but, Gary then, yeah, not me. Yeah. <laughs> but it used to be 4-4-2, quick yeah. wingers, you had a big striker and a small one, or good move, whatever that. Now, it's so like technical where if they've not got one thing in their game, like say he doesn't press like by- I don't know, 10% of his pressing is down. The manager won't look at him. So it's going to be uh, excited to see where they both end up. Not all teams played 4-4-2 all the while back in the day, Michael. <laughs> in England, that would probably be the case. Um, but 
um, elsewhere, there was uh, lots of different tactics and it's always been, there was a bit pressing back then, there was building up from the back, although in England that wasn't always possible because obviously the reason the game has changed mostly is because of the playing surfaces now perfect you imagine playing out from the from the goalkeeper like they do now Alan <laughs> in the, on, on some of the pitches that pitches, um, yeah. <laughs> that we played in god blimey there'd be some some mistakes um Lots of good games to to look forward to on on Saturday, and um, we talked about Spurs Liverpool and the way those two teams are going. You've got to expect a few goals in that one for us in the late kickoff. I think there will be goals, yeah, from uh, from both teams. Both love love to uh, to attack, and Tottenham have had a great start, um, scoring goals, entertaining. So it should be a cracking game, shouldn't it? Plenty for us to talk about on Saturday night or match of the day, anyway. Don't don't jinx it, Al. That's what happens when you say there's going to be a great game on match of the day. It ends up being a nil-nil. I've got to listen to you talk about how much you love Newcastle. And, uh, <laughs> but yes, it should be a great game. I can't wait. Ange Ball is in yeah. full effect. How good is Ange? I'm, I'm so looking forward to... I just love him as a human and I love the way he plays football. But also Liverpool are back. Rock and roll football. We should get some goals anyway. I think so. Obviously, I met Ange, didn't I? Um, man of the moment, isn't he, really? The way things are going. But you know what football's like? You you lose two on the two on the bounce and you're, you're in crisis. And is this the right man for the job? I mean, it's a dreadful profession being a manager. I mean, obviously, it pays very well. But I mean, God blimey, it's difficult. I think he'll get a little bit of leeway because he's a nice guy, though. And because he's open to the media. I think... Media yep. only turn on you really is when you don't want to give him anything. Like when you listen to him, his interviews, you could literally take so much out of the interview. Like it's brilliant. He gives you like little things like to think about and to digest. So the media love him. But yes, I agree. It can change at any time. Uh, the other fixture that, that caught my eye at the other end of the table is um, Everton against Luton. Yeah, but Everton got a good re good result, yeah. didn't they? Uh, two good results. One in two. the uh, one in the cup, and and of course last weekend um, Brentford, I think it was, wasn't it? They, they beat yeah. and Luton still looking for their uh, for their first win. So um, that's that is a that is a massive game for different reasons for both clubs. Yeah. It's, it's too early, really, isn't it? To say this is a six-point relegation <laughs> clash. Oh, it's, it, it's, a bit it's, not, it's not too early, but you want your three points, don't you? You want yeah. your three points early doors. I mean, if, if Luton were to lose this, I mean, they lost in the cup, didn't they? It's just, it's just a bad week, isn't it? You know, you, you always... When we was in a bad rut at Aston Villa and we'd lose a few games, like, you used to look at, oh, we need to get three points here, otherwise we're, we're struggling or you're looking where you can pick up points and all that sort of stuff though. You just don't need that. So if they can get some points on the board, it'll just give them a little bit of that glimmer of hope, I would say. Alan, you're looking forward to being in, in the same room as Micah and, and myself tomorrow. <laughs> Both of us have had COVID this week. We'll give you a big cuddle when we come in. No, thank you. Sit at the other side of the room, the both of you. I don't care whether you're clear now or not. I won't be coming anywhere near the both of you. Well, I'm hoping to be clear. Bye then. Last round of golf today. Last round of golf today and then uh, then back uh, back home and then see you guys Saturday. 
So, yep, Saturday, a um, bit of Ryder Cup to watch oh. today, Al. <laughs> That's going to be amazing, the Ryder Cup, isn't it? I'm so looking forward to watching that. What is the Ryder Cup for us? Oh, <laughs> shut up, Maker. Stop asking stupid questions. For us non-golf fans, come on. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Europe against the USA. Oh. Three days. If Alan plays well enough in his golf, he's hoping for a late call-up. <laughs> From Luke Donald. Oh, oh really? Could you, could you imagine being on that first tee? No, I couldn't, no. I played in the Pro-Am uh, about eight or nine years ago at Wentworth, the BMW Pro-Am, and um, I was on the putting green. I was playing with Lee Westwood and Anton Deck. And I, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I got there about two hours earlier, so I text the boys Anton Deck. There were thousands lining the fairway, thousands around the tee box. So I text them, but I said, by the way, guys, if I was you, I would not be wearing white trousers. It's about 15 or 20 deep right down the fairway. <laughs> oh, so we get, we get on the potent green and I can feel the colour draining out of me. I'm getting that nervous. <laughs> Never get nervous, ever. No. Lee Westwood looks at me and he goes, are you all right, Al? I said, no, I'm absolutely <laughs> shitting myself. I've never felt like this in my life. It's really different golf. So really we different. get onto the first tee box and the announcer's former world number one, Lee Westwood, and he smacks it straight down the middle. And I walk Shock. onto my uh, tee box and they announce me on the tee box. You get a huge round of applause. I couldn't get my fucking ball on the tee. My hand was shaking that much. Honestly, I was thinking, why? What is happening uh, no. here? And uh. I stood behind the ball and I thought, shit, my tee's too high. I never uh. have it that high. But uh. I thought, I can't go back down because it took me 30 seconds to get the ball on the tee <laughs> and I just looked up to the skies and I said if there's anyone watching me please let me hit I don't care how I play I just want to hit one good shot and get me off this tee box quickly uh, and uh, uh, thankfully it was alright it went down the left hand side just yeah. off the, a yard off the fairway hit it alright yeah. my god nerves I've never had them never had it like it that before it's mad golf can do that so you can imagine how those boys are feeling yeah. first tee box on the Ryder Cup wow yeah. I played in a pro-am I was lucky enough to play with Seve by Esteros um, oh, wow who's that back in the day <laughs> who's that oh my god what the news have you just said Five-time major winner, absolute hero of many a Ryder Cup, Micah. Spanish player, a brilliant personality, sadly lost his life a few years ago. And and I played with him and, and we'd played about six holes and my brother was caddying for me because he wanted to meet Seve as well. So we get to about the 10th hole and it's a par three and I hit the ball and I hit it right into a bunker. And Seve didn't hit a very good shot and actually finished just short of the bunker that I was in. Anyway, we get down to there and um, I, even though his was short of the bunker, I was slightly further from the flag, so it was my shot first. So I go in, hit a bunker shot, managed to get it out okay. Wasn't a great shot, but didn't matter anyway. And I walked out of the bunker, my my brother who could be a bit cocky at times, um, he goes, oh, so you want me to rake the bunker for you, do you? I said, well, you know, you are the caddy. <laughs> and he was like playing, and we had a big gallery there following us around. So, and he was playing to the crowd. And and as he started to walk into the bunker and he was giving it all this, oh, he's superstar now, me raking the bunker. He accidentally <laughs> kicked Sevy's ball into the bunker. No <laughs> way. Oh my God. <laughs> Sevy just killed him. 
was, it was beautiful. Oh, it was beautiful. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's it from this week on the rest is golf. Uh, <laughs> uh, we wish Europe all the very best in the Ryder Cup. Um, yes, Alan and myself do. will certainly be watching. Uh, from from the sounds of it, Micah probably won't. Um, uh, but I'll see you both um, on match of the day on Saturday. Um, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>